Welcome to What Has My Attention, and this is John Beethan. We continue to elevate the voices of women in strong leadership in this episode with our guests Lisa Pachentz, Patty Block, and Audrey Holst. It's titled Leadership, Collaboration, and What's Next. You can find links in the show notes to each of the previous and first conversations I've had with each of them. And if you've been following us, no introductions are necessary. So let's jump right in. When I was growing up, my mom made these fabulous cookies. The whole house smelled good. It was warm and the cookies were gooey and just wonderful cookies. And all my life, I watched my mom eat the broken cookies. But it wasn't until I was a teenager that I thought to ask her, why do you only eat the broken cookies? Do they taste better? And she laughed and said, no, I eat the broken cookies so you can have the whole ones. And one April morning as I was out for a walk recently, I it occurred to me, that is what we as women business owners do in our businesses. That self-sacrifice because our moms were our role models. And we bring that into our business. And it starts in many ways with pricing. I'm Patty Block. My company is The Block Group and we focus on business advising for women-owned businesses. And I developed the broken cookie effect to spread that message of you don't have to sacrifice inside your business. It's not about a choice between serving others and making money. You can do both. And that's what I teach. I teach women how to generate more revenue with less stress. Hi, my name is Audrey Holst. I am the founder of Fortitude and Flow, and I help guide high performers and high achievers so that they can unvelcro from their perfectionism and actually enjoy the lives that they are working so hard to lead. I am a body-centered coach. I have a body-centered approach. And what that means for people is that it helps them to feel good in themselves no matter what is going on around them. Hi, my name is Lisa Pachentz. I'm a master certified coach and an executive life coach for underfulfilled, high-achieving women, specifically executives and entrepreneurs who are sick and tired of the cycle of sacrificing in order to succeed. So I bring deep insights, masterful tactics, and big-hearted relationship in order to uncover the core of what's in our way, creating our own glass ceilings. I am the owner of LP Coaching, uh, which is a designer life and leadership coaching business. And I'm also an ICF mentor coach, a speaker, author of Success in Any Season. And um, one fun fact about me is I have two long-haired cats that I call my babies because they are my babies. (laughs) We crowdsource. (laughs) Well, well, guess what? We're recording. (laughs) Excellent. Leadership, collaboration, and what's next? Who came up with this title? That would be me. Ah, Audrey, the troublemaker. (laughs) (laughs) The grasping for words, needing to fill in a field. Yeah, no. Yeah. This is great. So all three of you have been on One Has My Attention. And 
it was Lisa that uh, was the initial troublemaker here. And uh, troublemaker. Yeah. So I don't know if you've noticed, but you know, what has my attention is completely moved to women in strong leadership. Yeah. So that's great. Let's not get all serious because we had some laughs before we got started here. <laughs> but Audrey, let me ask you, I have no intentions of leading this, by the way. Um, but Audrey, what, why that title? Why, why leadership collaboration and what's next? Or did you get that from a dream or what happened? <laughs> <laughs> uh, you know, this is an excellent question. It, it was a vision vision that just came to me as I was typing it in. Uh, well, I think something that has been really apparent to me in conversations with people for the last good chunk of time, and I would say at least the last six months, is just this concept of collaboration and how hungry people seem to be for it. Mm -hmm. um, every, almost every person that I know that has their own business or, or is an entrepreneur is talking about this concept of collaboration and doing something with somebody or somebody uh, gathering people to, it's a, it's in the water of conversation. And mm -hmm. I think that that is, uh, uh, going to be part of what is inherent in leadership going forward. And I don't think necessarily is this sort of classic, uh, you know, leadership seems like a very lone wolf standing on your own. I mean, that's my perception or, or how it's been represented to me in the past, at least is kind of on your own. And so I think there is this leadership is changing. Collaboration is becoming a more common or desired thing. And and so what does that mean? Right. Like what's next? So that's that's where I came up with it, I guess. Well, I like it because it's a we consciousness. Mm hmm. Mm. You know. Audrey, I love that. I'm 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 going to jump into this conversation because this Please. is so so exciting to me. I'd love to hear Patty's take on this too, since this is this is kind of what you do. You go into companies and you help become a we organization, a, a well-oiled machine from a team perspective instead of an I perspective. Um, I'm so high on the supply of connection and community and collaboration. Like so so behind it, um, and part of why I think it, it personally resonates with me <clears throat> is because as a, as a high achieving person by default, I went through my entire life thinking that I had to be the first and alone, the first and only. And when you have that mindset, you really set yourself apart kind of on purpose, but as a default, you get such bouts of, of loneliness, of isolation, and it's all it's all really self-inflicted. It's it's just a conditioning. But in my work as a as a coach, I've been getting closer and closer to the core of who I am. And I think the core of who a lot of service-based entrepreneurs are are very much connected, heart-based um, people that simply want to create more belonging, more community higher levels of thinking, higher levels of consciousness. And the only way we can do that is by bringing parts together to create something bigger than if you're if you're alone. Um, I think that solopreneurship can be very powerful, but it can be incredibly isolating. And I mean, the number one reason for for burnout uh, in, in any career is is disconnect and loneliness. And I think it's even more so for for entrepreneurs. So um, that's my grandstanding to get us launched off. But I, I love this idea of collaboration, Audrey. I'm so glad you put that in the space. And I feel the same way. And Lisa, what you were saying earlier, 
I'm one of those people like you that is a high achiever. My clients are, and we set out to prove ourselves. And we do that, but there's a cost. And I think that's what we're experiencing as we get older and as we have more life experience. And that's certainly what I've experienced is, you know, everyone expects your life to be a straight line and it never is. So all those bumps and bruises that we experience as we go along, now we're starting to understand that, that power of bringing others into our circle and having that collaborative experience, how enriching that is, but also how that supports us. And it's certainly been part of my journey, realizing that I was missing that support system and then consciously building it for myself. Yeah. And it's not something that many entrepreneurs do on purpose. I think at least our first um, inclination is to go out and make a profit and make a living. And we do that using our winning strategies, the, the things that have set us up our whole lives, but those have ceilings. They have it's self-imposed glass ceilings of our own making. And um, you can only get so far on your on your old strategies until you got to break down and, and build something new. I think we're, we're all craving deeper, realer connection, especially now with the pandemic and, and COVID. Um, I know in my in my own friends groups, we don't really tolerate the small talk that we used to tolerate. We get straight to the core, straight to the juicy stuff. It's amazing. I think there's something that's that is popping up for me in this conversation is the um, the concept of like standing out. And actually, John, our interview, we talked about this concept of like having some sort of something that differentiates you, right? That's sort of like your spice that is very recognizable as you as an individual. And I think that it's an interesting concept, especially as, uh, you know, in business, when you're marketing yourself, when you're setting yourself apart, and how you're different, and how you're recognizable, and all that sort of stuff. And also this desire for community and belonging and wanting to be a part of, uh, so I'm just curious about what that looks like, because I think that many people get caught up in the either or, right? Like you're either by yourself, standing out, being your own person, doing this, and you're going to do it alone, or you're blending in, being a part of, belonging. And it seems like what we're talking about is is both existing in the same ecosystem. So I'm curious what your thoughts are about that. I'm going to let Patty go first. You're so kind, Lisa. <laughs> so I have some thoughts about that. Um, they can coexist. And there's, I, I'm all about balance. So how do we balance out being different in the marketplace, having our message, but building not only a support system around ourselves, eliminating people that we don't want in our lives, which is as important as building the support system, and that have that negative influence. And we may not realize it, especially when we're younger. But, you know, Lisa, as you were saying, you know, no small talk. I just don't have the time or energy for that. And I want to, I want to talk about things that are meaningful. And 
everything that I'm doing in helping women business owners grow and scale their businesses, it's because it's meaningful to them. We help them grow in the way that's meaningful to them. And I think that's super important. And that also goes back to the balance of building a community in which you can thrive. And I really don't believe in competition. I understand that in the business community, there's a lot of talk about that. But I also believe there's plenty of business. We're very blessed in the United States. There is plenty of business out there. And collaboration gets us so much further. It's one of the reasons I was excited to participate in the conversation today, because that's exactly what we're focused on, is that spirit of collaboration. And Lisa and Audrey, when we met and were getting to know each other, that was a big emphasis on all the ways that we might overlap or be certainly not competitive, but ways that we can support each other and help each other. And that is the circle of people that I want around me. And that is what I want to be to others. I want to be part of their support system. So I think that's a really important piece of it. It doesn't take away from achieving on your own. And we're all high achievers and all my clients are high achievers. That is part of our nature and our work ethic. So I don't want to minimize that, but I just think there's a balance. And Audrey, I would love to hear an answer to your own question because it's such a good question. <clears throat> um, I think that that dichotomy of belonging or standing out is part of the, the biggest problem of our disconnect in society right now. I think that people have it intrinsically as an either or. I either stand out or I belong. Um, I certainly had it that way all my life. I think a lot of the high-performing women and leaders that I work with have it that way. I can either fit in and comply or I can stand out and, you know, be, be big, bold, committed, whatever. And what I've, what I've actually found is that the more you create, to your point, Patty, belonging in groups of uh, like-minded individuals that instead of comparing and competing, you collaborate and connect. By belonging and creating that group on purpose, you are actually allowing your own unique selling proposition as a human, your unique value, your, your essence to come out because then you get more comfortable. You get more confident in yourself. You get to collaborate and be creative. When our, when, when, comparison and competition come up, usually it's because we feel threatened. Our own self-esteem, our own um, livelihood, our, uh, our, our selling and our thriving gets, gets threatened in our brains, even if it's not true. And then our access to creativity, our access to confidence, our access to who we are actually goes down. When threat goes up, that goes down. But when the threat goes down, that goes up. So when we have community and we have belonging and we have, and we have a sense uh, that people have us, that, that we have them and they have us, then we can actually feel free to stand out even more from a place of courage and self-worth instead of from a place of proving or scarcity. That is beautifully said. Thank you. I have to 
take a let's take a minute and let that soak in. It's beautifully said, and it encapsulates the spirit of what we're talking about. The thing that occurs to me, and and I'll tie in right to what you started talking about, Lisa, is this this concept of the the threat and the belonging. And right, this is something that I talk about all the time in the work that I do, which is very embodied in talking about the nervous system and how we move as physical humans in the world. And I think one of the things that is very, um, that I find has, is a difficult thing is the concept that we talk about in coaching all the time is the concept of the both and, right? That it's not an either or, that's a both and. And I just want to point out for people how difficult holding a both and in your body can actually be, right? Nuance is a difficult, is actually like a bit of a physical uh, wrestling that has to happen. So especially when you are in um, the presence of somebody who has a strong um, conviction or has even an alternate viewpoint, um, it takes a certain amount of holding and, and steadiness in yourself to be in relationship with that person. And I think that we have, there is a bit of a looking for commonalities and like holding really tight to commonalities and being almost um, repelled by contrast, um, whether that is contrast in opinion or contrast in perspective. And maybe that is like, you know, that kind of unique positioning when unique positionings bump up against each other, maybe people feel threatened, right, by that. So I think that there is a bit of, and I think with all technology, right, we are all, we can kind of not, we can opt out of conversations or we can opt out of bumping into somebody or we can opt out. But I think that there is something with, with leadership and collaboration is that ability to, in yourself, be able to hold yourself in contrast, in relationship with nuance, in relationship with, with other people, with uh, who you might see as competition. And that's a real, that's like a capacity building exercise, right? That's about building your capacity in your in your body and your brain and your nervous system. And that is something that is for, I think what leadership is becoming is going to deeply require people to do. I wanna like second that, give some snaps. Love the capacity conversation. It it also points to the fact that it's a muscle that we can build just like anything else. It's not mm -hmm. something that you either have or you don't. It's brilliant. Yeah. If you don't mind, can I can I touch on something you said, Audrey? Go for it. I, I don't know where the ship is going. Or we're just we're just know. sailing the, <laughs> the seas freely right now. Clearly. Yeah, and I just want to let you know. No, my video. I mean, my audio still works. <laughs> <laughs> but I'm I'm here to support the safe space. Uh, although I do want to say something, which is in my in an Imagine podcasting, I have a really great team of seven, and we are. I am at a place where I am no longer willing to um, set, I'm willing to set the goals, but not really the direction. Mm -hmm. And um, I'm starting to request that people actually just own it. Mm 
I don't want to manage people. I don't want to do any of that stuff at all. And it requires me in a group situation to absolutely let go. I mean, the horse is running. Now just let go of the reins. And I have this rich image of Kevin Costner in Dances with Wolves at the beginning of the film, riding this horse, you know, with his arms spread in front of the opposing, and they're all shooting guns at him, but he is just let go, and he's freeing himself. So how's that been for you, John? Oh, it's great. I, I cannot stand doing stuff solo. So I, have, I do not qualify myself as a high achiever. If I, if I, unless I put it into the perspective of higher, high, high achiever in a group of people with a unified perspective. And I, I have lived that before when I was, you know, a lot younger, studying metaphysics, world religion, and nutrition, and there was 12 of us. And we kind of got to a place where we knew if we had to walk on water, we could. And that was just like a really awesome feeling. So, no, we won't rename this episode Walking on Water. <laughs> Walking on Water with Wolves. Yeah. <laughs> wolves and women. Yeah, yeah. So anyway, uh, carry on. Well, I'm wondering, I'm wondering how like what the connection is that we're seeing around John, what you're modeling and this new style of leadership that we've been talking about. Like the leaning back and the letting go and the allowing. I think there's a point where you know who you are, you know what you love to do, you know what you're good at. And I, and I've just gotten to a place where I don't really care what people think of me. And that didn't just happen. That's been there for quite a long time. So when I, when I show up, um, I, you know, I know that people identify with me, not the way I want them to identify with me, but however they represent me in a space of collaboration. Does that make sense? Well, it sounds like in order for you to be able to do that, that you trust the people that you're surrounded with. Absolutely. One of the things I'll add to that about the letting go and the kind of sitting back as a leader is it allows space for new leadership. And in the old model that I often rail against, that was developed, you know, that corporate model that was developed 150 years ago and is not well suited for our current culture. And it's also not well suited for women in particular. Mm -hmm. And that type of dictatorial leadership, we now know doesn't work well. And very few people still use that model. However, it's very difficult to let go. And so, John, I applaud you because it is very difficult to trust the people around you, to know that you've surrounded yourself with people who aren't going to let you down, and to provide that space for new leadership. And I recently did that with a group that I'm involved in. I helped to co-found the group. It's a networking group. And that was about eight years ago. 
and I have either chaired or been in some leadership position for eight years. And about a month ago decided, I really think it's time for new leadership. And I think that's what's in the best interest of the group. So the other members of the group are a little, I think, uh, surprised and unhappy that I'm not gonna continue leading it. But I really genuinely believe that is what is best for the group. And to me, that is how modern leadership works well. Yeah, I want to briefly comment. Um, the old style of leadership, the old style of corporation, et cetera, et cetera, was built primarily, and I got this from Seth Godin, which is a great YouTube video to be watched called Stop Stealing Dreams. Mm. And it was created during a time when compliance was absolutely required. Mm -hmm. But it doesn't work anymore. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Stephen Covey actually talks about this in his book, uh, The Eighth Habit of Highly Effective People. And since the first book came out, The Seven Habits, he did all of this research on what what differentiates the successful worker in the 70s and 80s and what differentiates this from the the workers nowadays and he he labels it uh the difference between the assembly worker and the knowledge worker and for the assembly worker i can imagine that compliance is absolutely necessary or else your life your life is in danger, like literally your survival is threatened. Whereas with the knowledge worker, it is in, in order to fully support the development of someone's knowledge, you have to elicit their leadership, their voice, their sense of purpose, their mission. And yeah, it is very difficult for a lot of large organizations or even small organizations to let go of that old dynamic because I think there's a general almost a generational DNA that we have in creating power dynamics in order to feel like we have control. And back then when this model was created, those who had the control were white men. And so especially for that that dynamic, I think it can be very difficult to let go because it is programmed. It is programmed in men's DNA, DNA and women's DNA and, you know, the male-female identification dynamic. It's, it's just, it's so prolific. Uh, but I think it so, it's, makes it even more necessary for us to have these conversations around what we're, what we're doing and what we're creating to break down that dynamic and form something different than power dynamic. Yeah, you know what I'd like to do is because I know there's going to be many new people that just see this or listen to this podcast, but it's my intention to put this also out there in many other ways, is that one of the words we use in the title is leadership. So I think I'd love to hear from each of you briefly just your perspective about leadership. What is leadership? I've asked this question before, probably individually to each of you, but 
let's see if we can bounce it around a little bit because I think it's I think it's uh, first of all the words used a lot and I think it does mean different things to different people you want me to go first yes please okay so for me leadership is about empowering others it's about bringing out the best features the strengths the the knowledge the experience in others and i didn't always understand that and to lisa's exact point i've been programmed like everybody else and grew up with the corporate model and really was conditioned in that way and have been that type of leader. I've been in a corporate environment. I've managed lots of people. I've hired and fired lots of people. And I've been in that role. And what I discovered through trial and error and over time is that the more I let go of control, the better leader I was. The more I empowered others, the better leader I was perceived to be and that I felt I was. And that is very much the approach I take with my clients is empowerment and helping them understand their strengths so that they can achieve whatever they envision for their company. And it's also what I've taught my kids. I have three young adult kids and I've raised them to be good human beings, to be leaders in whatever that means to them, but a lot of that is about how they treat others. And so, of course, I'm really proud of them because now as adults, I see how they interact with others. I see the level of respect and how they can empower others. And I feel like, oh man, I did a great job. So it's not only talking about it, it's living it. It's being consistent and, and, and really walking that talk that I think is so important. And, and I have to say that was really instilled in me by my dad. And we didn't always get along, but my dad always felt as though actions are more powerful than words. And all of us kids in my family were raised to, we say what we mean and we mean what we say. And so that basis is a lot of what I've built on. So to me, that's what leadership is about. amazing, Patty. Thank you. Audrey, I'm going to let you go next. Yeah, it's, it's interesting is I, I love, I love that definition, Patty. And this is something that I, I guess it's not a topic I've thought about. It is very possible, John, that you asked me about this and I gave you a definition and I have no idea what that definition was. <laughs> it's like not in my head as a thing. So I'm, I'm coming, I'm coming up with this fresh. Um, but something that that occurs to me around leadership, and and this is kind of circling back to what I said earlier, is is a very um, solid ability to be comfortable with being uncomfortable, because in order to do exactly as Patty was talking about, there there has to be this sort of decentering of yourself in some ways as a concept, right? Like you have to be so centered in yourself and your physical self. And so comfortable with your physical self that you can that you can put spotlights on other people and let people 
make mistakes, right? And let people kind of find their way because ultimately that is going to be the biggest result when people can can just make the discoveries on their own, which has to happen sometimes, right? And with leadership, I think you can sort of guide and mentor and and be a maybe an inspiration in a lot of ways. But I think that that ability to be comfortable with discomfort, because just like uh, to Lisa's point, a lot of how leadership has been is it's in the water. It's in our it's in the way we still talk about things. I think if you were to Google the word leadership probably the images that would come up would still be of the so-called old school flavor, right? So this is something that is we are moving through, but is still very much dominant in our in our culture. So I think that this is leadership is really about, again, that capacity building. And I think it's it's really about being able to stay steady in yourself, be so have such strong conviction, conviction just in yourself as a human being standing on the planet that a lot of these concepts, right, who you are, if you're a leader or not a leader, or if you have power or you don't have power, that these concepts and wrestling with them doesn't just like knock you off and make you reactionary and graspy at the people that you are either leading or mentoring or working with. I think that's a huge piece of what, what leadership requires in my perspective. We could just stop here. Because <laughs> there's so much brilliance in the space so far. Oh man, all of that, all of that. I like to think of leadership as not building more followers, but building more leaders. So leaders don't build a following, they build up others who can rise into their own, into their own roles or replace you or whatever it is it's similar to patty what you said empowering others i absolutely think that that is the difference between leadership and management management is much more about control mm. and pieces and operations and uh, almost like a chess game whereas leadership is about you know uh standing back and encouraging everyone to get out on the field and supporting everyone out in the field to be their best to play the positions that work the best for them. Simon Sinek has a quote that goes, and I might butcher it, um, leaders are not those who take charge, leaders take care of those in their charge. That was exactly right, actually. Nailed it. Nailed it. Yep. So adding on to the building other leaders, it also requires a massive amount of, of caring, of giving, can I curse here? Am I allowed to curse? Yeah. Oh yeah. Shit. Yes. It's like giving a lot of shits, but giving less fucks about yourself and about taking things personally. So I know when I was uh, building up teams inside the coach training organization, especially this was, this was so, so, so true. Caring and compassion and supporting others to rise instead of managing and controlling was a vital, vital piece. Even if I didn't think that the person under me was a leader, that was my own interpretation. And I, I really struggled with that. I had my own version of what a leader needed to be, uh, what kind of skills and talents they had to have and hold. It was some version of me <laughs> to some extent. And if they didn't have it, I'm like, oh, well, I guess I'll just manage them. 
But no, that actually was not, that was not useful to anyone, including myself. It trains other people that they don't have what it takes to be strong in themselves. So I think leaders also need to model, Patty, to your point, need to model the work themselves. They need to go first. Um, and they they also need to need to own as much of them as they possibly can, because that also rolls downhill. Ownership rolls downhill. If you start owning yourself and you do your own inner work, it creates a culture of doing your work. Um, and right now, I, I'm not building out teams. I'm not leading a team, but I still view myself as a leader and using my voice and talking with you and working with my clients. I always believe that I need to go first. I need to do my work first. I need to always be looking at what is in the way of me fully empowering others because there will always be something we put in the way. It's just a matter of doing the work to get clean off that glass again and get clear. Gosh, you guys are it's way beyond brilliant. It's insightful. It's it's obvious from tons of experience. It's from life. It's from, you know, it's from a nurturing place, which I think a lot of men don't really like to talk about. But you'll talk about it, John, right? Absolutely. <laughs> yeah, so I'll give you my definition. And just so you understand how I work is that I usually dive deep into something and then I try to come out with something. And usually along the line, I'll, along the way, I'll come up with, with something. But, but my background is meditate, study, and apply. Mm. And so that's how I go through life. You know, it's, that doesn't mean I meditate every day, but um, I'd rather try to make my life a meditation. But it is, it is study, apply, and see how it applies. And then repeat the whole thing again. So when it comes to leadership after, you know, you know, studying Brene and a few other people and, and uh, Simon Sinek, definitely. And now spending a lot of time with a military organization called Veterans Association of North County and mm. spending time with men and women veterans. Mm. Now, I mean, you want to talk about leadership? Oh, my gosh. Mm. They are brothers and sisters to each other. How I view leadership right now is um, in service to others who are in service to others. And that's kind of what I keep on top of my mind. How can I help or how can I serve another who is in service to another? But everything you, everything you, all three of you said was fantastic. I'm probably going to like take this, the audio portion of this and just uh, run it through my head several times. We can probably just turn the uh, script into a book. <laughs> <laughs> Darn, a you, blew, you blew my cover, so to speak. <laughs> He's been taking notes this whole time. Yeah. You're I, outed. I, I transcribe everything. Yeah. Don't worry, I'll give you credit, maybe. <laughs> That's funny. Where would you like to go with this from here? We kind of covered everything in the title. Not that we ever had to, but I'll tell you what I'd like to do is ask the question I always ask, which is in this moment or in the last few moments, in the last three days or whatever it is, what really has your attention? It can be in leadership business or 
what's going on with your dog or cat or family member or I don't know. I don't really care. Just what has your attention? Well, there's a couple of things that have my attention currently, one being the great resignation and what people are talking about in the great resignation. Um, and for those who haven't heard of it, it's this coined term about um, a massive amount of people leaving the um, leaving their careers, leaving their employment, and uh, doing something different. Whether that's sitting at home, whether it's a new career, whether it's hiring someone to figure that out, it's very, very interesting to me, um, and a pivotal moment I think in our modern culture to take a look at what we're no longer willing to tolerate. I think we tolerate so much of what we think we have to struggle and suffer through until all of a sudden we're, we're face planted with that thing. And, and we go, we actually don't need to be doing this anymore. Why are we doing this anymore? And if I may, it's like one of the gifts of the pandemic. Yes, absolutely. Absolutely. And I think it can apply to any status quo to how we go about our hiring practices and hiring mainly white people or men in how we go about our, our politics and how we go about conversations on the internet and this cancel culture. I think um, transformation is a lovely word. I think it's overused, but what I love about it is that transformation really gets to the core of what's going on, not just looking at the symptoms, but what is it underneath all of this that if you change just a tiny little bit can make an enormous amount of difference? And I think people are looking for that. What's that tiny little thing, that intuition, that inclination that I need to follow? And so that's the first thing. I think the second thing that's been on my mind, and, and John, I know you're familiar with this. Um, I've been on a um, fertility journey for about... Uh, almost a year now, me and my husband have been trying, and um, I've actually had two miscarriages this year. And uh, I am incredibly privileged, incredibly supported um, to be going through this with all the tools and the people and the community that I have. But what I'm realizing more and more is how unbelievably underserved the community of women who want to have kids, who have kids, are are under underserved, under acknowledged, under supported. Like it, it blows my mind over and over and over again. And I think with all of my privilege, with all of my ability to um, get my emotions out and recover and forgive and get complete and move on, I cannot imagine women going through this without the privilege that I have, and most people do. And it is flabbergasting. So um, I don't know what to do about it. I think I'm still, I'm, I'm in the midst of it still. We haven't, we haven't gotten to <laughs> the end result we want, but it's something I'm very interested in talking more vocally about and informing more community and connection around this issue. It's, uh, it's funny, as you were talking about these two things, Lisa, um, and like, thank you for being so clear and open about sharing both of them, because I think that that it really hits to um, 
the more, you know, the leadership topic is interesting to me. And what's even more interesting to me is like the day to day and how that really, you know, shows up in the, in the minutia. And so it, just these two topics are making me like, this is where things start to hit home for people, right? Like leadership is mm -hmm. kind of a big concept, but like, where does it hit home? Where does it actually show up in your day-to-day -day life when you wake up in the morning, when you eat breakfast, what, what are you thinking about? Right. And so, um, I think just to a something I've noticed in conversations with people who I'm talking with a lot of people. I have access to conversations that I that I didn't before because of the great resignation, because of our access to technology. I'm I'm, I'm talking with people that I may not have intersected with before. Mm. And I can feel a clear difference between people who are humaning together and people who are are mm, posturing doing, doing business. Yes, that's the word I want to say businessing, right? Like the businessing right. versus the humaning. Mm -hmm. And I think that people are, when people hit a humaning with another person, they're like, yes, yes, we're speaking the same language. Let's keep, I see you, let's keep this going, right? So I feel like that has been something that people were needing and wanting and desiring, but didn't feel like they could ask for or or speak that language. And I think now people are like, oh yeah, no, like appreciation and, and acknowledging people doing good things. And like, just all of these things that people need, right? Like we want to feel validated. We want to feel good. We want to feel seen all of these things that I feel like were absent or not professional, right? There's so many, I could go on and on about what's not professional, but I'm not going to do that. <laughs> um, also, that's not my, like the, the corporate realm is not my wheelhouse either. Right. So this is, this is me coming from a, the, the other perspective. And I think too, so I'm part of a, a group right now that Kimberly Ann Johnson leads. Um, and the, the majority of the women in the group are mothers or want to be mothers or, or there, there's that conversation about what it is to be um, a mother and having children and community and, there is so much grief around the lack of the ability to be held by a community. Because I think that something that I'm hearing you say, or like what I am feeling as you were talking about your experience is like, right? I got to do my emotional work. I got to put myself back together. I have the, the skills, I have the tools. And it's like, we shouldn't have to do that. We should be able to be held in our place, in our grief, in our process by a community that can hold us in it so that we don't have to hold ourselves so much. And I think that that mm. is one of the challenges that I think we, all of us is, as leaders, as examples, as people who are going first, right, is it can feel sometimes like we are not allowed to be held and to, and to not be on in some capacity. So I think that that's a really, and that comes up with me a lot too, you know, as somebody who's building her business and her reputation, right? All of these things where I feel often where I'm like, I got to keep it together, right? I got to keep it together and shoot, it's been rough. You know what? Keeping it together. Come on now. If I'm being an actual human, keeping it together is not the right reaction. Honestly, right? That's not the healthy reaction.
Sounds like we could talk about being perfect, <laughs> but let's not. So, Audrey, what was the word you used? Humaning? Humaning. It's so, not a real word. No, it's a real word now. So that is a requirement before I do business with anybody. That's it. Just wanted to say that. Yeah, and I'll I'll stop my rant because I can feel myself getting fired up, and I'm, I'm interested in hearing from Patty. Fire up, light that flame. <laughs> I was, Don't I was stop. I'm a little bit on a. Woo! I could feel the heat building over here. So. Yeah, and that's a hard that's a hard act to follow, by the way. <laughs> Patty, you'll be totally fine. You will be you, fine, Patty. <laughs> you can follow any act, Patty. <laughs> Thank you for your confidence. So what has my attention? So again, thank you all both for sharing. Very um, insightful. And every time I, I visit with each of you, I get to know you better. I learn more. I feel more connected to you. And I'm very grateful for that. So thank you for sharing what you've shared today. What has my attention is generosity. And we've witnessed it today. Everyone on this in this meeting has been generous and kind. And I've worked hard, especially over the last 10 years or so, to surround myself with people that lead with kindness and compassion. And it's been such a privilege for me because I love to introduce people to each other. I love to connect the dots. And I've gotten to do that with each of you that are in this meeting. And it has been, it, so first of all, it's fun for me. And second of all, it's so meaningful. And because I know the people that I'm introducing you to are equally generous and equally kind. And we need so much more of that in the business community. We need it, of course, around the world, but my focus is on the business community. And that, humanness that you talked about, Audrey, that's exactly what I'm talking about, except that not all humans behave with kindness and compassion. And it's incumbent on us as professionals and as leaders to make sure that the people who do lead in that way shine and that we provide the opportunity for them to shine. And that is a big part of what makes business meaningful for me. So that has my attention. Nice. And so I, I'm sorry, I have to ask this question. My inclination was say nothing more, just end it right here, right? I guess the question is, is in a narcissistic culture, such as the United States of America, we can certainly talk about the challenges, but maybe we want to do this again with that top of mind because kind of what we're, you know, we don't, maybe we don't have to have an agenda. Maybe we don't even have to have the conversation. Maybe we only need to um, just show up like this as an example to other people as an alternative. Maybe that's enough. I don't really know. Well, if I could challenge your hypothesis, please. You use the term narcissistic culture. 
And the problem, in my view, I'm not discounting that there is certainly that element, but the problem is it's the narcissists who get all the attention. Mm -hmm. They're the people putting themselves out there and are the front face for the media. So that's what we see and hear. And yet I am surrounded by literally thousands of people that are not narcissistic, that are not only thinking about themselves and only trying to achieve what they can for their own personal gain. So that's why I'm talking about generosity and kindness and compassion, because it isn't getting enough airplay. Are, and, wait, how are you saying it doesn't have enough attention? Is that what you're saying? Yes. <laughs> yes. It needs to have more attention. And that, so I would challenge your, your basic concept of a narcissistic culture. It's what we're seeing, but I don't think that really defines what our culture is. And our culture has a lot of problems and I'm not in any way excusing what is happening in our culture. I still am sometimes shocked at what I see people putting on Instagram and Facebook and all this nonsense that's out there, but that's what it is. It's nonsense. So I don't want all of our culture to be judged by that. So what you're suggesting and requesting is for me to imagine something different. Yes. And to talk about something different because you have this wonderful platform that you have created and to be talking more about all the wonderful, kind, giving people out there. I I need to jump in. I want to jump in. I'm going to jump in. Um, <laughs> I'm not going to talk about it. I'm going to jump in. Yeah. So I, yes, Patty, a hundred percent. And here's the thing too, right? Is like, we, that our inherent negative bias because of we, it's better to stay alive and survive than to risk the alternative right is is so wired in us that like all of our attention goes to that that is how we are wired right biologically physiologically what's negative what might kill me what's going badly what because i'm trying to survive and protect myself right so it is important to give airtime again it's the both and right can we can we handle both can we hold both and i'm one of those people let me tell you if I'm not trying to hold both, I am a cynical, down a rabbit hole, what's the point kind of person, honestly. Like, I mean, people may not say that about me, but I feel that about myself sometimes. So it is important for me. I have a practice on a regular basis. Am I leaning towards the apocalypse or am I leaning towards finding joy in the apocalypse? Honestly, that's my mantra is finding joy in the apocalypse because I acknowledge the reality that things are things are tough, right? Like I'm not going to discount that. And also, just like you said, Patty, I see people helping each other out all the time. I see people working through mutual aid. I see people going out of their way for people. I, you know, it happens. It's a rea That's also a reality. So it does need the airtime. It does need the attention because if people feel hopeless, then they don't take action and we need people taking action. So. Snaps for that. <laughs> snaps all around. Yeah, I think it's a it's a both and conversation. I think any sort of narcissism or portrayed narcissism that we see is just fear. People are out there louder and prouder because they're scareder and scareder. So 
like the the more peacocking you do, the more that you you can kind of see the scared inner child wanting validation and justification. I think that's the hardest part of my work is digging down and finding empathy and compassion, even for the things that I absolutely don't agree with. But it, it goes back to the point of leaders go first. If we can model that, the only way we can influence anyone's behavior is by modeling the way of being we want to see in them. That is the only way we can go about doing that. That means owning your shit first. That means showing compassion first when you don't want to. That means being vulnerable first. And I think that by spotlighting those those things and those those things and those people who are modeling that behavior, what we might be seeing—the narcissism, the peacocking, the businessing, the 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 cancel culture—I think that is going to start taking a backseat. But we're human. Things, I mean, <laughs> life is life. We're always going to have challenges. Can I say just one more thing, just to your point, Lisa? So the modeling piece, yes, and the relationship piece, right? People need to be in relationship for that for that shift to happen, right? Like you're not going to create change for some random stranger on the internet. Let's just be honest, mm -hmm. right? That's not going to happen. But when you're in relationship with somebody that you care about, that you respect, that you you know, look up to that you that you resonate with, when you are in relationship, I believe that that's when there is a possibility for little tiny shifts, right is is in relationship, which is what we've been talking about today, too. So mm -hmm. yeah, I would propose I would propose that nothing, no problem can be solved without relationship. All right, so who wants to end this? Nobody? <laughs> of course not. Can we keep going and going? Can yeah, we I'll just like cancel everything I had going on. And, you know, <laughs> I have no limits on this account. I mean, you know, I have 50 hours, actually. I, we can do, go on for 50 hours. <laughs> I, I would also love for this to go on, but I can also take a stab at ending it. Yeah. I love that, Patty. Okay, I would just ask and... Uh, you know, I, it, I will, you know, end the broadcast at some point or whatever it's called. But um, I would like to openly uh, suggest that people go to whathasmyattention.com. And there's a little button in the bottom right. I don't remember what color it is, but people can leave an audio message or email us from there and let us know, the, the four of us, well, any comment at all, but also what they'd like to hear about. And I'd also like to suggest, and it's not up to me, I'm just holding the space and I'm doing what I want to be doing, which is elevating women's voices to be heard, is to suggest that the three of you, um, um, you know, come up with an idea to make some more trouble. <laughs> Another topic or whatever, and it could be, it could be later on in the month, could be once a month, it could be, you know, I don't care when it is. I'd like to keep this going. And if there's somebody else. Accepted. Yeah, I am I like this hangout. This is like a, this is like my monthly uh, group yeah. with people I want to hang out with. So great. And if there's somebody that you want to bring in, let me know. All right, everyone. Thank you very much. Thank you. Thank you for having us.
Oh man, this is, I want to tell you, I am in the verge of tears. I'm just, mm-hmm. it felt so good. Just made my month. Well, it's early in the month, but <laughs> it still has. John, right. I'm, I'm so impressed with what you're up to with lifting oh, up other you. women and amplifying voices. I, I really acknowledge you for that. Audrey, you are such an intuitive. I'm continuously impressed with your wisdom and your brilliance and the clarity of your message. Um, and Patty, you are such a strong woman. I admire everything that you've created, the people you work for, uh, the broken cookie effect, your creativity, all of it. Thank you. Thank you. I internally affectionately uh, represent Patty as a brick. (laughs) Just solid, you know? I think I'm going to take that as a compliment. Well, you better. I mean, you should. You should. You could. Patty's going to go lift some weights now. <laughs> I'm going to have to. Oh, and Lisa, I need to just obviously acknowledge just how how clearly you see people and how clearly you are. I, I sort of like, it's almost this like, hovering over all the things like taking it all in like integrating it and then expressing it in a way that is so like clear and crisp and um digestible that is a really a talent and an unusual thing so thank you gotta reflect that for you too thank you thank you thank you wow all right what has my attention.com and uh everyone out there listening or watching because I'm liable to post this on uh, LinkedIn actually. Love it. Anyway, till next time.